Today's episode of Tales of the Voidfarer is presented in part by FedEx Office. If you are just starting a business or have been running your company for generations, FedEx Office gives you the best way to print marketing materials, posters, signage, graphics, NPC portraits, battle maps, uh, or, or yeah, a bunch of that other boring business stuff too, I guess. With FedEx, creating, editing, saving, and ordering print materials for your next D&D campaign or business is fast and easy. We're teaming up with FedEx and Podgo to bring our listeners 30% off your next order of $100 or more at podgo.co slash FedEx. That's podgo.co slash FedEx for 30% off your next order. FedEx, the world on time. Previously on Tales of the Voidfarer. This map, there was this older stuff, could have been like Kratorian stuff. Are you saying that there's like Kratorian ruins here? I think that's what they were. Marco stands up and walks out the door. A statue. The plaque says Adam Rain. So I have found the Adam Rain. The Adam Rain. That's the guy that uh, showed up, went down into the mine and killed that terrible beast. He said he was interested in the ancient structures that our mind seemed to have breached into. I am a Kratorian scholar and uh, was hoping that I could get access to that area to study. You continue downward into this Moonhammer mine to find the mysteries of the Kratorian ruins that Adam Rain once sought out three years ago. You know, I was here five minutes early, and we're just only now hitting record 25 <laughs> minutes late. <laughs> so I take it, no responsibility for it's this. It's like Saker said, no matter what, we're not going to start on time. I told you. I'll be here early if we need half an hour of not starting. <laughs> I thought I was a bad guy for showing up four minutes late. Little did I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we also had to have that, that conversational detour where you were talking about what calendars you've appeared on. So <laughs> I don't think my glorious body has graced any calendars yet nor has mine <laughs> that's why we need the voidfarer calendar yep yeah can't confirm yeah. you have to join the ranks of voidfarer people who have appeared on calendars at some point sure. <laughs> so we get an official calendar and you'll get the best of marco astorio and i promise you that <laughs> oh god <laughs> well if you have suggestions on what you want to see in the official voidfarer calendar you can join our project derail discord server and let us know over there <laughs> getting that plug in <laughs> yeah good job nice plug always be so. plugging <laughs> yeah always be plugging all righty then uh shall we jump into dungeons and dragons yes please i suppose all righty then you are now descending in a lift that is taking you deeper into this Moonhammer mine if you recall Last time you learned that 
none other than Adam Rain, the former captain of the Voidfarer and father to Val, visited here about two years ago. Went down into the mine, slayed a monster for the dwarves, and in the pursuit of something. So now you've acquired a guide by the name of Gadman Steelcrag, which is also the same dwarf that is leading the group that is going to be traveling back out of the mine with you later, as Marco knows. He's been hired for one last job here at the mine, and that was to take you down and be your guide through the labyrinth below. And you are also accompanied by Brohane, who is now sitting astride his giant mechanical spider, Ira. The lift shudders and creaks as you descend. The shaft is about 45 degree angles. However, the, this platform you're on is level, um, just kind of sliding downward as you go. And uh, Gadman will say, well, uh, if you're going to the Kratorian areas, it'll be about a uh, three to four hour trek. Shouldn't be too bad for the first part because it's the active parts of the mine, but we'll start getting into some uh, little bit more dangerous areas the closer we get, so uh, just be prepared for that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Mark, I want to say Marco nods in agreement and just like, okay. Yep, silent silent nods. You can't see us, but we're all silently nodding. Right. Yeah, we should probably remember that this is a voice thing. Yeah, this is an audio only <laughs> medium. Do you guys not have your cameras on? I keep my camera on every session. <laughs> Sucks. I'm sorry, but would you like to try that again, Nick? I will we will No, we're we're gonna leave it. Uh <laughs> There's a long, awkward pause, <laughs> and then Gadman goes, so, um, any particular reason you wanted to come down to check out the old ancient parts of the mine? I didn't really get any information. I was just told to take you there. Yes, um, well, I've heard that there are old Kratorian ruins down here, and I am a Kratorian scholar, so it, you know, interests me a great deal. Well, that makes sense, yeah, um... So, you just here to look at the uh, crumbling rocks and stuff, then? I suppose. Well, I mean, we also um know of the man that was in the statue in the courtyard, uh, Adam Rain, and we are maybe hoping to find out a little bit more about him, though, admittedly, our information on that might be slim to none down here, but, you know, the hope springs eternal. Oh, I see, I see. Always wondered about that statue. That was before my time, but yes. anyway... Um, I will tell you this, uh, where we are going uh, is a little bit dangerous, so... Uh, I kind of figured as much, but what do you think we're going to run into down here? Um, it's hard to say. Uh, there's a reason why us miners avoid this area for the late. Is it because of the... I don't know, the Scragfang? Is it the Scragfang? Oh, the, uh, the Scragfanger. Uh, no, that, that was a beast uh, that was a, a threat long ago, uh, an isolated threat, it appears. Uh, no, the dangers would be um, coming into contact with here or the ones associated with the, uh, the place itself. Mm. Things left behind from ages long gone. So, like, traps? Traps and latent magics and stuff like that. Marco glows in Indiana Jones aura. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. his eyes go, pwom. <laughs> okay, I was just curious if the creature itself was isolated or if there's like a whole family of them down here, just smaller. Good to know that that's the only one. Aye. 
(laughs) (laughs) So what kind of like traps are we expecting to like what is what have you all faced before i mean is this like creatures coming out of nowhere or is this like opening up into giant chasms or shooting darts out of the wall like what do we expect i i haven't been down there myself personally um i just know that uh the handful of dwarves that ventured further into the place many of which didn't survive Mm. well sounds optimistic well sorry (laughs) i mean they never like I don't know, put out some sort of investigation team? They just said, well, oh. we'll leave their bodies down here and that's all? Oh, no, um, actually, uh, the, this particular place, the fact that these Kratorian structures are down here is known. However, uh, the particular chambers and things that were encountered beyond has been something that we've been kind of keeping to ourselves among us working folk, because... If the higher-ups learn that there might be something of value in there, they might just throw more dwarven lives at the problem. Um, so we just kind of, like, boarded it up and we're keeping it amongst ourselves. And if you can do us a favor and kind of continue to do that for us uh, after what you see down here, then it'd be much appreciated. I'm on my way out of here, but I wouldn't want to see any unnecessary uh, lives lost to the greed of the Moonhammers. Okay, two questions. The first one is more concerned with this dive. Um, And that would be, like, if I do find something, should I take it for the and not tell the Moonhammers that there's anything worthwhile down here? And question number two, you seem to have a very not great relationship with the Moonhammers. I mean, and he kind of like looked over at Brohan and is like, admittedly, we don't either. But it was the one gentleman that uh, booked you passage off of out of here and back over to Storm's End. I, um, well, as you know, I was laid off uh, from my regular job here at the mine. I was booking passage uh, out of this place with a uh, group of my um, compatriots that were also laid off from their job. Things have been strange lately here. This is one of the most lucrative Cindershard mines in all of Krat space. But suddenly, the Moonhammers have started uh, stockpiling it instead of shipping it out and then slowing down production out of nowhere, laying off dwarves left and right without any sort of support. I would uh, look over at Brohane. Oh, uh, yeah, I'd look over at Brohane just to see his reaction. Maybe make an insight if, I, if uh, you'd allow me. Yeah, you don't need to make an insight. Brohane furrows a brow, and he's going to actually ask. You don't have any information about what incited this uh, sudden shift in policy? Gadmund will shrug and say, Nah, not at all. Not that they really uh, keep us working folk in the loop on such things, but doesn't make any lick of sense to me. If you're making a killing on mining Cindershard, why would you suddenly stop? Fair assessment. Well, there's definitely something down here. Um, that don't put me at ease, none. Well, uh, did y'all get your, like, rests and stuff? How how are spell slots doing? All right? Um, <laughs> you, you you would have, uh, uh, you, you guys are all fresh. Yeah. <laughs> like, Marco was going to say to Luckbeak, be like, hey, we fought the giant flesh creature before, and we came out of that one just, you know, fine. I'm sure whatever's down here will also be... Something we can handle. Yeah, all right, I guess. I mean, you got something like Cinder Shard, and you're like, I'm going to give that up because I'm a little scared. 
Like, that's that's a lot of money to give up. There must be something real, real scary down here. But you're, you're right. We done we done this other stuff before, too. So exactly. Uh, Gadman's mean, actually going to speak up and say, oh, no, the um the layoffs and the stopping of the mining isn't something exclusive to just this mine. Oh, best I can tell. It's something that's happening all across space. The entire Moonhammer organization seems to be slowing down their mining operations for some reason. Huh. So what you're telling me is that every mine's got monsters in it? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, most mines do have monsters in them, but uh, (laughs) I can't say if that's the reason. It's never stopped the Moonhammers before. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, Brohane just kind of like nods and strokes his beard and furrows his brow. Well, I'm sure that we will all be fine. I mean, Gavin here might be wearing a red shirt. We don't know, but... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my red shirt was in the wash. This is why I'm wearing my my nifty blue one. Oh. Mm. (laughs) See? We're all going to be perfect. (laughs) Wait, what? I wore... I'm wearing my red sweater. Is that a bad thing? Oh, no. (laughs) Luck speak, no, not at all. But on another note, we might be having a new character soon. We're going to need to change some artwork. (laughs) Oh, no. <laughs> There's a goblin lined up. It's a, it's a whole thing. <laughs> so how's that backup character? Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, you guys continue traveling through the mine. The lift eventually gets to, doesn't seem to be quite the bottom, but gets off at a level that is towards the bottom. And you can see that there are dwarves all around in the process of shuttling cinder shard and other ores that they're mining down here into various carts to begin transporting it up to the surface. Dwarves everywhere you look, both using magic and traditional means to extract materials from the walls. Gadman doesn't pay them any mind, though, and leads you down one corridor. And you guys walk for a couple hours. And the longer you walk, the less active the area seems to be. At one point, the path opens up into a natural cavern that becomes a little bit harder to traverse. However, it does look like the dwarves have built wood steps and platforms and scaffolding to help get through this area. And as you continue onward, it narrows back out into a dwarven-made mine shaft. After a little while longer, Gadman will say, all right, it's right up this way. And now you haven't seen any other dwarves for like the last hour. All right, let's go. So, Gavin, is this pretty much where all of the mining has stopped in this area? I mean, are we going to run into anyone down here? No, uh, this this area is pretty pretty much stripped of everything of value. Um, even the the Cretorian uh, area up ahead has been mostly picked clean, uh, best I can tell, by anything of value. Um, it would only be the chambers beyond that haven't been. Um, and that's only because we haven't uh, informed the higher-ups that they exist. Because mm. that's where the dangers lie. So we've been conveniently keeping it off of our survey reports. A tactful decision. March forward. All righty. The shaft kind of opens up into a large fissure, a natural like rift in the rock that breaks out into another man-made structure. But this one looks... Very, very old and primarily made of cut stone. 
Marco, you recognize the architecture as Cretorian, but it's a little bit different than you're used to because this seems to be like a structure that is a style of Cretorian architecture that seems to be like exclusively subterranean. The way the like the stone pillars rise in arc to hold up the stone ceiling above is a kind of a, a style of Cretorian architecture you haven't seen before. The room itself is fairly large, probably about 90 feet end to end, and is kind of like a loose cross shape with like four wings that go off a central area. There's four stone pillars that are large that kind of rise and arc in together in the middle, creating a central room beneath them. And then the four rooms off in each direction, kind of creating like five distinct areas. There's a lot of rubble around, and it looks like there's like some stone slab tables set up in this middle section, but like the north and east sections seem to be like mostly caved in. The one section to the east, uh, you can kind of just make out what looks like a deep pit that just descends into darkness. And off to the northwest through that way, you see a few more like stone slab tables. Plus it looks like there is a double set of doors that continue onward. And you can see that made with fresh timbers, at least fresh comparatively to this very, very ancient structure. It looks like it has been boarded up. Um, I'm going to connect with the ring and ask Cyrus, like, Cyrus, is there anything you'd tell me about this room? Cyrus has been quiet this entire journey, but when you get here and you ask, he goes, actually, this place does seem familiar. I think I was here before. Really? Um... Can you tell me what you were doing or what this might have, like, been? I suppose it could be any number of similar structures on this world. There are a handful. However, given the information that I had, I've been speculating to myself that this location, and seeing it all but confirms it, this location was the sanctum of Nasticia, the Archon of Arato. Second, I'm writing that down. The what of Arato? The Archon. Which you know is like the Criterion word for like governor. Okay, so um, is there anything like, I, can I make like a history check or something to kind of glean anything else from this besides what I would like instantly know? Um, I mean, yeah, you can make a history check. Just to see. All right. Uh, whoopsie. Came off the desk. There we go. That is a 22. 22. Um, so you, you know, from speaking to Cyrus before, but also like in some of your records that the capital of Orato is a city by the name of Sathyros, and it would have been on the opposite side of this world. So if this was the sanctum of the governor, um, it is very far from the capital of this moon. It's a uh, Sothyros. Sathyros. It's spelled P-S-I-T-H-Y-R-O-S. Also phonetically trying to write it out. Yeah. Cyrus, this is odd. I was under the impression that the capital um, was uh, Sathyros. Why would it be that the governor's sanctum would be so far out of over here? You, There's like a tone of surprise in Cyrus's voice. And yes, you're correct. The capital city of Orato is Sathyros. However, while that is where the Archon governed from, her sanctum was far away from there. Her sanctum is her private place of arcane study. Are we in her beach house? 
<laughs> I believe she placed it here because of its close proximity to Phlogisterite. That would make sense then. Explains what we're doing here and why it's here to begin with. Cyrus will say, those double doors beyond lead to the transport nexus. It is a room with transport terminals that will teleport individuals to various locations. This is how she traveled from the capital city to here. And on the one occasion that I visited here myself, that is how I got there as well. We need to go in there, Marco points. <laughs> yeah. Wait, do you just, uh, like, are you quiet for a really long time and then you just point to a random place <laughs> and say we need to go in there? Yes. Right. <laughs> I think you all would see as you, like, we stopped, like, Marco's furiously writing like kind of stops for a second. I don't know if the ring has any sort of visual cue, but uh yeah. No, it doesn't. Okay, yeah, then he just is like, "We need to go in there." Uh, <laughs> all right, Marco. That's fine. I I'm chatting with the ring. Oh. Gadman is going to say, "Oh, I I um yeah, this area isn't good enough. Uh the, look all the Kratorian stuff everywhere. You, you you really want to go in there." Um Marco is going to look at him oddly and say, Yes, there's plenty of Praetorian stuff here. We're in the Archon of Arato's private sanctum. However, um, not even like thinking for a second of you all collecting that and figuring out what that <laughs> means. Uh, and he says, But there could be some more items in there of vast importance. I would at least like to look at it. Yeah, he's going to say, all right, well, uh, that was the area I was talking about before, where the last time anyone went in there, a lot of them died. That's why we boarded it up. So if you're going that way, um, I'm going to stay here. So let's go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Marco just starts walking forward. Uh, Luckby grimaces, but walks behind Marco. Ravnus follows. Mm-hmm. Now, Marco, as you cross this room to that area, it does seem like this room was some sort of like workshop or laboratory or something to that effect. Like uh, the kind of tables and slabs in the center of the room seem to be something like there specifically to like stone cut and study like mineral samples and stuff like that. But uh, the most interesting thing you notice on your way to this door is on one of the stone slabs near that door is what looks like a huge statue laying on its back and if this thing were standing it'd probably be like 12 feet tall all right i think that will be enough to at least pull marco away from the door for a second to like be like well hold on a second let's let's look and see what this is so i'm going to look upon it ponder it uh can i make any checks to kind of get any information from it or is this something i just would not know of um so you go up and look at it and it is definitely a humanoid shape made out of stone laying flat on its back and it has like a, a slightly feminine figure um and it has like a this like ornate like shoulder piece and like headdress that look like they have like a real humanoid bones inlaid in it the face is completely featureless it is just blank there's like no nose or mouth but it does look like it has eye sockets but they weren't like sculpted to look like eye sockets it looks like something was like embedded in the face where the eyes would be but it looks like it has long since been like pried out whatever mm. was there and you do also notice that there are small grooves that kind of run the whole body of this thing it looks like you, you can notice uh, just with your cursory glance, tool marks, real obvious, uh, that it looks like whatever was inlaid in these grooves has been hastily pried out. 
So I'm going to, without the, I'm going to chalk that up to there were miners in here and they might have saw something shiny, um, and not do too much thought on that. Um, with that, I looked at Cyrus and it's like, Cyrus, can you tell me anything else about this statue? Um, Cyrus will say, it isn't, um, it isn't unique. If memory serves me, there are several others exactly like it that stand um, in the center of the transport nexus beyond this door. Okay, if that's the case, and then he says this out loud, then at least a couple of people survived that room because they brought this out with them. Um, well, and you can tell that this was probably here before mm. that. Um, you almost get the impression that this was this is the table this thing was crafted on, and it just has sat here for 10,000 years. So um, Marco is going to be like, fascinating, interesting, not, okay, not unique. Let's just move on then. We'll come back to that. Um, starts heading towards the door before his senses start to kind of like collect to him. And he does turn around and look to the others and say, Cyrus, um, from what uh, our friend over there has just told us, and from what Cyrus is telling me, there might be something dangerous on the other side of this door. And considering what could be on the other side is very important, I am going to go in there and figure out what it is. But uh, I don't want you all hurt for my own ambition. So I wanted to at least stop here before we moved forward. Well, aren't we all going in together? That would be the preferable outcome because I, whatever it is could be dangerous. But also from a strictly materialistic standpoint there could be cinder shard in there that could be very valuable and that us a good sum of money especially to bring back to val i i mean i think we knew it was dangerous back here right i mean that was kind of the the from the word jump so i mean long as y'all are here let's do it i guess brohane will nod and say we're with you marco plus you get to learn about your Praetorian stuff and we might be able to Learn about what Adam Rain was doing here when he came here, and we'll have that to tell Val when we get back to the Voidfarer as well. Precisely. I look over to Brohain and be like, Brohain, I also have to be honest with you. I have zero moral conundrums with taking any Cinder Shard in here from after I've heard anything that Gadman said over there. Do you have any moral conundrums if some very precious Cinder Shard happens to disappear from this mine on the way out? Marco, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Fuck the moon, Hammers. <laughs> Take whatever the fuck you want. I look over and say, fuck the moon hammers. Now let's go learn things and steal things. Oh, sorry. This is a great... <laughs> sorry. Excavate things. <laughs> All right. When I excavate things from the dig site, I get in trouble. Fine. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it's already claimed by them at that point. <laughs> As you go, uh, you, you will go up to the door. It does look like it's been boarded up with big timbers, so they'll need to be pried down. But the other thing you notice is inlaid in the wall above the door is a carving of a humanoid skull. And as you glance at it, you see in its eyes these wispy, gray-white motes of energy kind of alight for a second. And then vanish. Anyone know what that was? We all saw that, yeah? Yes? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I got nothing. I don't know. What are we doing here? May I make a check, or are we just going to leave that one? You can make an Arcana check if you like. Okay. Can I also make a check? Sure. 
Whoa. Nick, I'll also make a check. Sure. <laughs> oh, that's not bad. Uh, 14 plus Arcana, you said? Yeah. 16. Marco, what'd you get? I got a hot and spicy 10 on that one. Oh, no. Yeah, I rolled a, I rolled a 2. I got a 5. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mar- Marco, you're just distracted by everything else. Luckbeak, it looked scary. Uh, uh, Ravnus, you got a 16? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's obvious. Something's watching you. Um, she's like, there's something watching us. It's probably the dangerous thing you talked about. So I'm actually going to, at that point, look back after Ravna says that, look back to Gadman and say, Listen, this might be a safety and number sort of situation. I would suggest you come with us. Your suggestion is heard, but um, <laughs> I'm going to have to respectfully decline. What a, what a mood. <laughs> well, I can't say I didn't try if his shirt magically changed to red. <laughs> All right, so what, Ravnus, can you tell what it was that's watching us, or? I don't know. Something that can magically watch us, probably. Okay. All right, cool. Cool, 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 cool. <sighs> uh, Cyrus will say, Nastasia didn't have a scrying lens deeper within her sanctum that she could use to observe what was happening in the other rooms. You hear, Marco. And I kind of look at that, the, I, I kind of listen to Cyrus look at that and go, it could be benign from what Cyrus is saying, that it's just a remnant of the ruins. At the same time, though, if somebody figured out how to use a scrying lens as a means of viewing us, then we could be facing a problem on our hands. It would only alight like that if someone was actively operating it. And Cyrus just told me it will only work if someone's actively operating it, so someone is definitely watching us. Thank you, computer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, somebody's here. I mean, who can live down here? Can't be... I don't know. I'm scared. (laughs) All right, right, let's just go. Let's just go. (laughs) Brohane, with the help of Ira, and I imagine Ravnus, you'll help as well. Uh, pry the planks down from this hastily constructed barricade that the dwarf miners placed probably a couple years ago. Yep, yep, yep. It doesn't take too much time. You hear the splintering of wood uh, as nails are being pulled, and you're eventually able to kind of shift the planks out of the way. You see beyond a large circular chamber 80 feet in diameter. And it looks like over the course of time, uh, this room has been sundered by seismic activity. A chasm has opened in the middle of this room, spreading all the way across it. It looks like the floor has just like kind of shifted and dropped unevenly about 30, 40 feet down, leaving this like 30 foot deep like chasm that kind of splits the room in two. You see, there are, in fact, a handful of statues like the one laying on the table in the room prior. One is standing like five feet inside this door um, with its back to you. Looks identical to the one that was on the table. You see another one to your left 
that is not much more than shattered rubble, a torso, an arm, and a head. And even the one standing in front of you is definitely worn by age, weathered, and pieces are falling off of it. You see two more standing across the chasm, one standing with its back pressed up against a door like the one you came through. Another standing just in the middle of the room. And you can kind of just make out the tops of their heads, but it appears to be two more, albeit damaged ones, that are down in the chasm. And in addition to the door you came through, and the door across the way that this statue has placed itself in front of, apparently, there is a third door to your left, evenly spaced around this circular room. However, it is over the chasm. Now the door just kind of hanging on the wall where the floor used to be, 30 feet above the now descended chasm. In addition to that, around the outside of this room are semicircular raised daises. On each one is a cylindrical pedestal, and inlaid in the platforms themselves and the pedestals are concentric and intricate grooves that you just catch a glint of crystalline substance inlaid in it. Marco, these look remarkably similar to the device that transported you from Toral to the Rock of Brawl. Oh, that's like... Marco kind of looks and goes, let's be careful in here, because the last time I fooled around with one of these things, I ended up hanging out with you all. I I mean, um, sorry, I meant that it teleported me off of Toral. That was uh, (laughs) poor wording, but still, and he moves forward quickly. Uh huh. Now, it looks like there was once nine of these things in total. However, three of them have been destroyed in the same event that left this chasm across it, leaving six remaining, three on this side of the chasm, three on the other. Now, there was one difference between the thing you've seen before and this is that instead of there being a hole on top of the pedestal where a piece of cinder shard is inserted like you did, um, there is actually a piece of cinder shard like inlaid there already. And you do see at the nearest ones that there does seem to be um, on the pedestal um, Kratorian script. Each one has a word, a different word on it. What are, I'm, I'm going to go, well, wait, I can't read Kratorian, never mind. So yeah. um, I'm going to go around to each of them and start kind of like translating. Sure. Um, the three that are on this side of the chasm that you can see, uh, one of them says Cytheros. The next one says Anoitos. And the third one says Vasilisa. Now, Marco, you know that Cytheros is the capital of Orato. And you know that Anoitos and Vasilisa are names of other moons of the Fat King. Let's see here, writing down. All right. Um,. First off, I also like the fact that this is less ancient Rome and more ancient Greece in terms of everything. (laughs) Um, All of the Kratorian names are, like, (laughs) Greek-inspired. Yeah, I like it. Um, Look around, it goes, hmm. Now, there are the three platforms on the other side of the chasm, but uh, it does not look like there's an easy way to get over there. It looks like uh, there is a kind of like a pillar of stone that had stayed remaining that kind of serves as like an island kind of in the middle of the chasm that you could leap to and then leap to the other side from there. And then on the side to the far right, there is like a narrow ledge that kind of remained 
that almost gets all the way across. So you could like hug the wall and get most of the way there and only have to jump like five feet. So what is the distance here that we would need? Is it is the distance the easiest one is five feet? Yeah, um, that's if you that's if you'd like hug the wall and get all the way around um, to jump to like the island, like kind of platform in the middle of the chasm. It'd be 10 feet. And then it looks like it's only five feet on the other side of that. So um, I hate to do this to you for this clearly like cool thing you set up, but um, I'm going to misty step 30 feet to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> that's hey, that's totally fine. <laughs> Marco looks at this and just suddenly you just see a yeah, silvery mist. And then he's on the other side. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you do, in fact, see the other three platforms. The first one says uh, Igamon. And then the second one is Erephus. And then the last one is uh, Nafpigos is the only name you don't recognize. Igamon and Erephus are also other moons of the Fat King. But uh, Nafpigos is not... A name you recognize. Okay, so being the sake that all these teleportation areas are the way that they are, and also quickly realizing, okay, four moons plus... uh, You know that uh, Valsilkos has six moons in total. Yeah, so six moons. So obviously it's like, okay, it makes sense. There's going to be another... One of these is a busted up one of the moons. We have capital of Sothyros. And so he's going to focus in on this uh, Nefpigos and start examining it. Sure. Um, So the one thing you notice now that you're closer to this side is that both of these statues over here have the intact eyes, which appear to be cinder shard crystals. And they also have inlaid veins of cinder shard carved into them along conduits across their whole body. Things that you saw removed from the one on the table. So you head to that teleportation platform. However, as you do so, the room suddenly gets cold. Uh-oh. Anyone else feeling that? Uh, yeah. I'm like frantically, my head is on a swivel with my crossbow just like out. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what is it? It's almost so cold you can like see your breath now. And suddenly an entity appears kind of in the center of the room hovering about 15 feet above what would be the level that you guys are standing on. It appears a humanoid form in a cloak, hooded, but the edges of the cloak are lined with a pattern that looks similar to the conduits of Cinder Shard, both in the platforms and in these statues. And this spectral form looks around the room at all of you and says, You And suddenly, with a flash, it flies into the statue standing next to you, Marco, and the statue animates. And I need everyone to roll for initiative. Oh, Oh, that is illegal. (laughs) Hey there, Nick Yurisiva here, the NPC in your entourage with a mysterious origin, but a heart of gold. If you're not following us on social media, you should fix that at VoidfarerPod on Twitter and at VoidfarerPodcast on Facebook. And if you want to be our absolute favoritist person, you'll leave a review on iTunes. That super helps us out, and we just love hearing your feedback. And you can also come hang out with us at the Project Derail Discord server. It's a great place to chat with us and the cast of the other great Project Derail podcasts like Fables Around the Table, Big Streaming Pile, and Taverns Travel and Tests. 
and we sometimes hang out and play games there too. Our very own Fiona L.F. Kelly returns to the GMC in Fables Around the Table Lost, playing a beta version of Babes in the Woods 2nd Edition, which is currently live on Kickstarter. Eight-year-old Posey and her 13-year-old babysitter Odell get lost in the woods while trick-or-treating and transported to a mystical realm and meet a talking possum named Reggie, played by yours truly. Can they find their way home before the fiend finds them? Listen to Fables Around the Table Lost to find out. Also, check out Taverns, Travel, and Tests, a D&D 5e podcast inspired by meme culture and the Food Network, DM by our good buddy Cliff. If you like Guy Fieri, memes, or memes about Guy Fieri, this actual play podcast is for you. Special thanks to Tom Goldthwaite for writing our theme song, and shout out to the band Highland Rose for the kick-ass rock version of that theme we've been jamming to this chapter. The Celtic song back towards the front of the episode is Beyond the Warriors by Gooey Frog and is from freemusicarchive.org used under a Creative Commons 3.0 attribution license. Additional music by purple-planet.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Kind Bar. Kind is deeply committed to crafting food with real recognizable ingredients. A disruptive notion that sparked the creation of a new healthy snacking category. Kind is unapologetic in their efforts to challenge the status quo, to shift the food industry, and empower their community and our listeners to make better informed choices about health. Kindness can be a transformative force for good, and that is why we are teaming up with Kind and Podgo to bring our listeners 10% or 15% off for military, teachers, students, first responders, doctors, and nurses. Go to podgo.co slash kind to get in on that offer. That's podgo.co slash kind. Kind Bar, creating a kinder and healthier world. One act, one snack at a time. Next episode of Tales of the Voidfarer will land in two weeks on Tuesday, February 16th. See you then. Hey, Nick, what did he say? You, your mic was acting kind of weird. You shouldn't you be here. You shouldn't right? be okay, here. Oof. But in a creepy, ghostly voice. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Did anybody get higher than a 20? Nine. One sec. I'll get there. Um, were you saying no or were you saying nine? No, as in like <laughs> nine as in German. That's for what no. I thought. But okay. what a sad I, I realized but it's that also a number. Yeah, no. When we're talking about numbers, Tanner, that doesn't work. Yeah, I, I realized uh, too late. I was like, ah, shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, 15 to 20. Uh, 19. Oh, no. oh, okay. You scared me for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have that much of a delay. <laughs> 10 to 15? I got a 13. I have a 12. All righty. And Brohane ruled poorly. Brohane is on the back of Ira, by the way. Um, Ravnus, you're first. Um, okay. So Marco is across a big cap, like a big chasm, right? Yes. Okay. Well, Ravnus can jump really good. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh man, we're getting to use this so much. Um, she's going to try to jump across to where uh, Marco is because that's where also the bad thing is, correct? Yep. Okay. And it looks like the longest distance is only 10 feet, which I think you can just do anyway. Yeah. If you're jumping to like the middle island and then across again to the other side, yeah. it's a 10 foot jump and then a five foot jump, which you can just do. I okay. Think. Yeah. So she um, does that sort out if she still has like in action she will attack the thing okay how close were you to the chasm when like at the beginning of the initiative you can decide i i 
I don't know. Is it going to be cheating if I say close? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, no. Because, like, you guys guys had an opportunity to kind of mosey about on this side while Marco bamfed over to do his thing. Yeah, I don't think she would have gone, like, too far away from the rest of the group because she, like, sort of knows that this is, like, Marco's thing. And Luckbeak is, like, clearly freaking out. (laughs) Uh, Right. So I don't think she would have been, like, I don't think she would have strayed, like, too far from either of them. Got it. So, um, so do you want to say you had a 10 foot running start? Sure. Okay. Because if you do that, you do not have enough movement to get across unless you dash. Um, I don't, I mean, you can get to the, you can get to the middle Island, but you don't have enough movement to jump the, the other five feet basically, uh, or 10 feet to get to. Even if I don't side. move? Yeah, your full move is 30 feet. Uh-huh. And that'll get you to the middle island. Okay. And then you would have, like, another five-foot gap, which would be 10 feet of movement. Right. Um, but she could, that, like, get over there? You could get over there if you use your action to dash. Yeah, that's that's what she'll do. I think she's more worried about just getting over there. Getting over there. Do you want to put yourself adjacent to the statue? Um or do you want to keep your distance for now? You can get right up next to the statue if you want. Yeah, she wants to do that because, like, she's going to try to hit it as soon as she can, so. Sure. Okay. Yeah, so you do it. You you get a running you get a running start, and you leap across this gap to the middle area, and then just continue your momentum across to leap again the second gap and land directly next to this huge 12-foot statue. That's fine. That's going to yeah. be okay, guys. <laughs> Marco is about 10 feet away from you, kind of like around the other side of the statue because he was moving towards um, moving towards uh, one of the platforms. Right. Okay. So, Marco, it's now your turn. All right. Um, I'm going to do my tried and true and beloved ice knife. Okay. 15. That does not hit. All right, it still needs to make a dexterity saving throw. The DC is also 15. Uh, It succeeded. Okay, it is going to take half damage from the ice knife, like, going past and exploding. Okay. Um, It does not appear affected at all. Okay, so it is not affected by ice knife in the least bit, so no cold damage. Got it. So yeah, Marco looks at it explode back, looks unaffected, and goes, "Fuck." <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um. All right. Is that all you got, Marco? Yeah, he's he's just gonna stand there and be like, "Well, here we go. <laughs> here comes the pain train." <laughs> yeah. Uh. All right. Luckbeak. So um, can you describe this statue one more time? It had some sort of gem or something on it that was like taken off of another statue its eyes are crystal shard gems yes the however yeah the other statue in the other room appeared to have those eyes removed yeah okay um and actually because you're standing right next to it the statue that is standing closest to you the one by the door you came Mm -hmm. through looks like that too has also had all of its cinder shard removed from it cool uh so then i am going to use mage hand um, to try my best to peel the, the, the gem out of its eye sockets. All righty. Um, 
Uh, I'm just looking at the limitations of Mage Hand. Hmm. All right, I'll I'll say this. Mm-hmm. Mage Hand can't normally move things that are very heavy. These gems don't appear to be heavy. They're, uh-huh. they're like maybe baseball sized. Um, but you do kind of have to like pry it. Mm-hmm. Um, so make a check with your. Basically, you're making like a casting attack roll, okay. like a caster level check. Sure. Uh, so what am I adding? Yeah, a roll plus your proficiency plus your casting um, stat modifier. Proficiency. God, we just did this. Do you remember what my casting stat modifier was? It wasn't charisma, was it? Uh, it's your in- it's your intelligence. Intelligence, modifier. right? Okay, so three plus three is six, right? Yes, yes. So I got eighteen plus six is twenty-four. Twenty-four. Holy hell! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wow. Uh, okay. I've so solved I, your statue puzzle. <laughs> statue puzzle. Um, what I'm going to do then is a roll like a contested strength okay. check, basically. You're grappling it with your mind. <laughs> that was a 19. Hmm. Sounds like less than a 24. <laughs> Yoink. Yeah. And I'm going to take it back to me. Mm-hmm. You see the whole statue shudder. But um, otherwise doesn't uh, do anything else. No. Okay. I just got one of its eyes, right? You have one of its eyes. Okay. 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 I yell, uh, uh, hey, I bet you didn't see that coming. (laughs) No. Sorry. (laughs) Let's keep going. (laughs) So um, in order to be within 30 feet of it, you basically had to like run up to the very edge of the chasm. Oh, sure. Okay. Got it. Okay. So that, that puts you like right on the edge there. You got it. All right. Uh, Brohane is going to still on the back of Ira. What's Ira's speed? Pretty quick. All right. He's going to have Ira climb up to the wall and he's going to ride Ira around the outside of the wall. The built-in like saddle on the back of Ira has like foot stirrups and straps that kind of keep him like attached. Even if Ira is like sideways on the wall. And Ira moves 60 feet around the outside, and that's going to put him kind of like 25 feet away from this statue, up the wall a little bit. And he is going to reach into his satchel and throw Alchemist Fire at its heels. And uh, he throws it behind it, so as this vial hits the ground and explodes into flame in a five-foot radius, it only gets it because Ravnus and Marco are both further beyond it on the other side. So it needs to make a dexterity saving throw. Alrighty, it failed, but it does not look like the fire does as much as it should. However, it does do something. All right, so it gets a little bit scorched, but not as much as it normally would have. All righty. Now it is its turn. It is going to kind of look down at Ravnus and kind of pull back one of its crumbling fists and is going to punch at Ravnus. Nice. Uh, that is going to be a 16 to hit. Nope. Okay. It you it punches and you kind of jump out of the way and it slams the ground next to you and you see its arm just kind of cracked all the way up its arm like it did a bunch of damage to itself. That's convenient. Mm. <laughs> all right. Uh, it's going to recoil with its other fist to try and 
uh, hit you, and uh, that is going to hit because it is a 27. Ow. <laughs> All righty. Uh, and this fist slams you, and you take 22 bludgeoning damage. Ouch. But so does it. Ooh. As its fist, its other arm, cracks and shatters and pieces of it fall off as it hits you now. These statues are old and crumbling, but they deal a wallop. It looks like if they were in their prime, instead of you taking 22 and it taking 22, you would have taken 44. (laughs) Fun. Okay. But they are brittle now. Nice. Uh, Good. All right. So uh, now, Ravnus, it's your turn. Ravnus, it's my turn. Okay. Um. She is going to do her psionic stuff. So her her sword is sort of like a purple and flaming. And um, for her first hit, um, she is going to do 20. Well, she's going to hit for 21, maybe. Um, Uh, That does hit. Okay, cool. That is 13 plus... An additional two psionic damage. Uh, so fifteen total. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's see. Your sword is magical, so it does not have any damage reduction. So it takes all of that. Oh yeah, because she has a plus one long sword now, so it would be yep. sixteen damage, right? Sixteen damage. Yep. Oh, I, I didn't even look at that. <laughs> Thanks, Nicholas. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. I'm a kind and benevolent DM. Yeah. Um, okay, so for her next one, that's going to be a 22 to hit. That does hit. And that is an additional 9 and 7 is 16 damage added correctly this time. Okay. No psionic damage, because I, I think you have to only do that once on your turn. Yes, um, you can only do that once on your turn. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's all she does. You whack at it twice, and huge chunks of stone kind of come crumbling off of it, and uh, it kind of shudders as it takes another step towards you. Still holding itself together, but it looks very hurt. Okay, good. Marco. So, um... This was the statue that was connected to Nefpigos, right? No, it's not. The statue isn't. Uh, you were you were just near the platform. Oh, okay. That was associated with it. The statue was just kind of standing in the middle of the room nearby. Okay. However, I will say one thing you do notice, Marco, is above the door, just kind of behind the head of this other statue, mm-hmm. that's only about ten feet from you. The the other statue um, that had been like placed to block the door. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that there is another inlaid skull sculpted into the wall, and you see the two little motes of wispy white light in its eyes. Hmm. It appears someone is still watching. Uh, can I make a quick check to see if, like, basically if I attack this thing, would it do anything? Could it potentially make sure they don't watch anymore or anything like that? Or if is it just a effort in futility? I mean, you can make a you can make an arcana check if you like. Yeah, that's what I was aiming for to see what I can do. I want you to I want you to note the disdain in Nick's voice when he said that, though. So, (laughs) 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 whatever. I mean, if you want, I I feel bad that I I feel a little bad. I got a twenty one. Twenty one. You think it might? 
um, but you're not 100% sure on exactly um, how it works. It's not a spell so much as it is a magical feature of the structure that you're within. So you think that maybe destroying that may do the trick, but you will note that there is one of these over every door. So there's two more in the room. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, see, thinking, thinking. Um, Marco is going to like look over at the wisps and just say, "Is, is this your doing? Is this your doing?" Because I mean, we we're we're not here to just ransack the place. We're trying to learn everything about it. There's. No response. Didn't think so, but just to let, make sure they saw me just being like, "What the fuck?" Um, uh huh. So, so you still have you still have an action uh, and movement. Yeah, I will. Um, realizing that this thing this thing looks damaged, right? Yes, it looks pretty damaged. I am actually going to back off. I'm going to cast Mage Armor on myself just to give myself some protection because it looks like the others have it well in hand, and I don't think I can do anything to it at this point. Okay. So you do that. Cast Mage Armor. My AC is now 14. Alrighty. Luckbeak, it's your turn. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, hey, y'all y'all see y'all see that thing shudder. I'll alright, I'll I'll do I got the other one. It's fine. Uh, and I'm gonna cast Mage Hand <laughs> on the other eye. <laughs> Alright. Um okay, go ahead and make a cast. Certainly check again. not going to roll as well. That would be a fifteen. Fifteen? Uh, it got a mm-hmm. 17. Your your mage hand appears, and it, it grasps at the crystal in its other <laughs> eye, but is unable to yank it. Okay, free. got it. All right, maybe, li- maybe a little help would be good. <laughs> All right. Brohane's pretty uh, confident, kind of sitting in his like elevated perch on the wall on the back of Ira, kind of seeing that fire didn't really do much. He's going to pull out his heavy crossbow. And uh, he's going to shoot it. And he does hit. You see just the slightest glint of magic. um, And it does look like it deals the proper damage as uh, a bolt just kind (laughs) of into the back of this crumbling statue. However, it still stands. Alrighty. It is its turn. Uh, it is going to punch Ravnus. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, that is most definitely going to hit um, with a twenty-six. Nicholas. <laughs> um, and you take another twenty-two bludgeoning damage. Uh, Ravnus is real low at eight hit points. E- ha- However, when it punches you, um, the shockwave ripples up of it, up its arm, and the whole statue crumbles as it does the same damage to itself. Oh, does does that count at ra- as Ravnus defeating? It? <laughs> does Ravnus count it as Ravnus defeating it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then sure. Okay. <laughs> when that happens, you see the spectral form kind of out of the rubble, and. I need everyone in the room to make a wisdom saving throw. Cool, huh. cool, cool. Oh. 15. 26. Auto fail. Oh, no. Yeah. All right, so Luckbeak, you're fine. Marco, you're fine. 
Uh, Ravnus, you are frightened for one minute. And while frightened, you must take the dash action and move away from this creature by the safest available route at the start of each of your turns, unless there is nowhere to move, in which case you also become stunned until you can move again. Okay. <laughs> so this thing is terrifying, and all you can do is move away from it as quickly as possible. Now, you do get to repeat your saving throw at the end of each of your turns. Okay. It appears that Brohane is also <laughs> terrified. Oh, nice. Oh, shit. <laughs> Brohane and I are going to make a pact to not tell Locke about this. <laughs> Beak and Marco look at each other saying, how did this shake out? What? I know, like, Luckbeast thought he was, like, shivering about it before. <laughs> and, like... Why are y'all screaming? <laughs> <laughs> then the spectral form is going to uh, shoot across the chasm and fly into, like, the crumbled heap of a statue standing next to you, Luckbeak. Okay. In the crumbled heap of a statue. Okay, okay. And in fact, you do see the statue begin to move. The, this crumbled heap? It's it's still like a mostly intact like torso, mm -hmm. head, and arms. Like the, the bottom half of it has crumbled. Okay. And it is now Ravnus's turn. She's getting the fuck out. Yeah. Yep. So now the creature is now back towards Luckbeak, which means moving away from it is now like deeper into the chamber, which there isn't really anywhere to go. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah, further away is going to put you kind of against the wall, kind of near the door that is blocked by another one of these statues. Uh-huh. And then over here, you do see that there is a crumbled heap of a statue that almost looks like some time ago, a statue got like blasted against the wall here. Okay. But that's kind of like the furthest point where you can kind of go to and cower. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's going to go cower sort of like a... Like rodent, like trapped, like Aww. almost trying to like get up the walls. Yeah. Oh no. Poor baby. Um, yeah. In the end of your turn, you can make another wisdom saving throw. That's a lot better. Uh, that's a fifteen. That is exactly what you needed. Oh. So as you kind of get here and start scrambling, and uh, at that moment, your senses come back to you. Nice. <laughs> she did it. <laughs> Marco, it's your turn. Um. Yeah, you saw all that happen, Marco. Ravnus kind of like shatter pants and like ran past you <laughs> further away from this thing to like cower at the wall. <laughs> um, breezing past that imagery. <laughs> uh, uh, can Marco make a check to see what this thing is now that he's seen it function? Yeah, you can make an Arcana or Religion check. I'm gonna bust out um, I'm gonna bust out Arcana because he definitely has he has three more in Arcana. That is a twenty four. 24? Yeah. Um, you're pretty sure this is an Eidolon. However, um, it's a little bit different than like what your understanding of that creature was. Um, you know that they are a spirit bound into the service of usually like a god or powerful entity. And they're usually used as guardians. Um, and their really only defense is to inhabit these sacred statues. Now, you don't get the impression that there's anything like of religious connotation to this. So this seems to be a recreation of that sort of arrangement somehow. So but you know that it's a spirit that inhabits statues um, when it's not in a statue. It's kind of defenseless other than its fear ability. OK, it, it, there's not really any way it can hurt you when it's not in a statue. Um, 
Marco is going to say to Luckbeak because he's, uh, I think he, it's his mind. He's the only one who's like cognizant mm-hmm. right now. Um, and says, get it out of the statue. Once it's out of the statue, it's basically defenseless. Well, so how, how do I do that? Your guess is as good as mine, but I'm going to do no, my all attempt. All right, all right. <laughs> but uh, he kind of looks over <laughs> at uh, Ravnus and Brohan and says, we're working with what we got here. <laughs> we were not exactly the heavy hitters that were yep. meant to do this. Brohane's in the process of like pulling a 180 on Ira and just going, oh shit, oh fuck, get me out of here. <laughs> um, so is where is it in relation to the others? Are they j- decently far away from this thing? Yeah, uh, Brohane and Ravnus are both far away from it. It has flown into a like partially destroyed statue next to Luckbeak. Damn it. And there goes Fireball. <laughs> hmm. Um, all right, so since Marco cannot right now really hit this thing without hurting somebody or damaging the room, um, he's going to cast slow on it. So it is going to need to make a wisdom saving throw. Okay. Um, uh, that is a 19. A 19. All right. Unfortunately, it passes. So it's, uh, I believe it's good. Yeah, it's good. Yep. Pretty high wisdom. Marco is going to say fuck again very loudly after he sees it doesn't work, and that's his turn. Alrighty. Uh, Luckbeak, it's your turn. Is there a wall behind the statue? There is the chasm. The chasm is right behind the statue. Great. So I'm going to basically just, like, bum rush the statue and try to shoulder check it as hard as I can to knock it into the... Because it's it's not the same 12 foot. It's, like, crumbled a lot of it. You said this one's in disrepair? It's still like bigger than you are. Yeah, well, but everything just is. Just like as the waist up. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's like basically the waist up of one of these uh one of these statues. Okay. Um but yeah, you can you can try to bum rush it okay. to try and like it is it is also still made out of stone. Sure. But but you could certainly try. All right. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna run towards it and say to myself, uh, don't pull out the football, don't pull out the football. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to shoulder check it as hard as I can to knock it into this chasm. Okay, go ahead and make a athletics check. Athletics. Plus zero. Here we go, baby. That's a two. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> um, Not a critical I rolled, fail. <laughs> I, I rolled a natural 20. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... Uh, you you run up and leap with all of your might, dropping your shoulder, and you smack into this thing <laughs> and deal four damage to yourself. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, wow. And you're pretty sure you might have dislocated your shoulder. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and, and as you do it, its head just goes... And looks at you with its gleaming cinder shard oh, no, eyes. No, 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 I was, uh, I, I'm also possessed. Don't hurt me. <laughs> Marco will scream at Luckbeak, though. Get out of the way, because now I want to use Fireball just to get rid of this thing. Sure. If I have any move left, I'm scrambling out of the way. Sure. You can do so. However, it will take an attack of opportunity. Oh, unless you use your bonus action to disengage. You know what, Nick? I'm going to use my bonus action to disengage. Cool. Rogue things. (laughs) Um, You don't need to know how to play your character. I know how (laughs) to play your character. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. (laughs) Ah, shit. All right. Uh, So, yeah, Luckbeak scrambles away. You can get about 10 feet from it now um, after all of your other movement. 
All right, Brohane is going to ride Ira like up the wall more and like kind of around over towards where Ravnus is, kind of above Ravnus. And then he gets to make a saving throw. He failed, so he is still oh. just, oh shit, oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Brohane. This has not been a good chapter for him. <laughs> no, it really hasn't. Um, all right, it is the Edelwan's turn. It is going to attack Luckbeak. It's going to, well, it's going to drag its way towards Luckbeak. Its speed is halved, but it can still get there. Uh, first attack is going to be a 14. Uh, matches my AC. Alrighty, you take 22 bludgeoning damage. Goodbye, world. All right, I'm okay, okay. I'm okay, I'm okay. I thought that was literally like your character <laughs> just got killed. I was well, like, oh I my have god. 12 HP left. Let's see how this goes. Uh, it, it's going to make a second mm-hmm. attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is less, so it misses. Whew, okay. It still deals damage to itself. Both oh, even on misses. Okay. Yes. Yeah, it, it punches you in the face, basically. And you see its arm kind of, like, crack and, like, mm-hmm. splinter under the impact. And then with its other arm, it swings it. And you kind of roll out of the way, and it slams on the ground. And its fist just kind of, like, cracks off, mm. leaving its just, like, stump of a wrist. That's cool. <laughs> um, so now it is Ravnus's turn. All right. Um, Marco said he wanted to fireball thing, so... It is now next to, it's now next to Luckbeak again. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, so can she like get over there? That would take yep. her move, right? Or she would have to yes. dash. Yes, unless you did magic bullshit. What do you mean? If you if you used your psi powered leap, you could get there and still be able to attack if you if you wanted to. Okay. And you would, I think, either way, need to make an, an athletics or acrobatics check to get there all the way okay so So you have enough movement to clear the distance but it's just a matter of like making sure you can get all the way to where you want to be just in your movement okay so okay so she's gonna go there and do side powered leap okay um so i rolled a die and i got a one that's cool so that extends the distance of a jump up to a number of feet equal to twice the number rolled plus twice your intelligence modifier your intelligence modifier is what? Uh, two. So Two? So double that is four, and then double your roll, which is another two. So you've extended your jump by six feet. And then what was your normal long jump distance? So her strength is 18. So... Uh, long jump. When you make a long jump, you can move a number of feet up to your strength score. Okay, so 18. Yeah, so 18 plus, you said six? Yeah. So 24. So, yeah. So you can make that distance, um, but it is going to extend you further than your normal movement, which means you just need to make an athletics check just to make sure you don't biff it. That's not very good. Um, athletics is uh, 14. That is that is going to be just enough for you to do it. Oh, cool. All right. So, yeah, so just you get you get a running start. And uh, as you jump, uh, you just force your psionic energy through you to push off the ground to give you an extra boost. And it does sail you across this chasm and you land next to this crawling statue that's been punching Luckbeak. Uh, And you do have an action if you want to attack it. So she's taking her flaming purple plus one long sword of the sentinel 
which glows different colors depending on different stuff. Um, and that's an unnatural 20 to hit. Uh, that will hit it. And that is 5 and 8 and 7 is 15 plus 5, so 20 total. Five of those are psionic. Okay. Um, right. Okay, so for her second attack, uh, that sucks. That's probably not going to hit because it's like in a fucking uh, 9. Um, that is not going to hit. All right, that's what she does. Marco. Well, shit. <laughs> Things are not working out. Uh, Luckbeak and Ravnus are right next to this thing. Now, um, Marco, I will say, um, of the other things you observe in this room, one, the doorway that seems to be above the chasm, from this angle, you can see doesn't go anywhere. It's, it is caved in, which means the only door forward is the one that is being blocked by this statue that, that is not moving. You speculate that at one point, the Edelon strategically placed the statue in front of the door to be another barrier. As the door opens into this room, the statue being there prevents your way forward from advancing. I think um, Marco is going to, on that note, looking around, Marco is, can Marco misty step behind the statue? The like is the statue like pressed against the door or is there enough room to get a body in there? Because I can misty step. No, it's it's pressed against the door. Rude. The doors open into this room. So the, the statue is preventing the door from opening. The Edelon moved the statue in front of the door and then left the statue at some point in the past. OK, so this is just a statue there. It's not being inhabited. Correct. Yeah, that thing's going bye bye. Um, fireball directly at that. <laughs> OK. Yeah, as I turn around um, and look around, I just, like, see this thing blocking the door. I'm just going to be like, boom. Um, it, uh, it is con only considered an object when it is not being possessed, which means it automatically fails its saving throw. Which means I am about to do some very quick and dirty excavating. <laughs> okay, so that is going to be a solid 8d6. All right, so that is 26. 26, it only takes 13. Yep. So, uh... So... There's a huge fireball that erupts on the other side of this chasm. Uh, Luckbeak and Ravenous, you just see this fireball explode outward as Marco has uh, attacked one of the non-moving statues, the one that happens to be in front of the next door. And on that note, um, Marco is going to try to make his way over to that door with his 30 feet of movement. Unless... Am I already on the other? I'm on the side with the chasm, right? Or do you have to cross the chasm? Yeah, you're you're on you're on the side. Um, you're on the right side of the chasm for this door. You can get to it. Then yeah, I'm gonna make my way over there because it's clearly blocking its way. So yeah, onwards and overwards. Yep. So you can get up to it. Uh, you can see that um the the statue is scorched, but otherwise um still relatively intact. The door doesn't, uh, which is a large stone slab double door, um doesn't appear to be affected by your fireball at all. Okay. Or only as much as the statue was. Alrighty. Luckbeak, it's your turn. Um, let's see. So, gosh, this is hard. I'm going to uh, back up from the statue as far as I can. Uh, does this one have eyes? Yeah, it does. It does. Okay. Two gleaming cinder shard eyes. Yeah. Um, then I'm going to... Uh, no, I I guess I'm just going to try to shoot the eyes out this time. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, hey, uh, 
y'all y'all want to help me this time? Uh, and I'm going to try to shoot with the crossbow. Sure. Um, this shot. is a called shot. Yeah, but I'm going to so, aim first. Okay, so that cancels yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a normal. You got it. So that would be a 19. That hits. All right. Uh, so, oh, I forgot. I haven't done damage in so long. I forgot I had to roll it. Uh, that is a seven. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, so. What did Luck Beak say again? Uh, can y'all help me out with this as he's shooting out the eye of one of the things? Gotcha. Uh, so you do, you do hit it and there's like a little bit of like an orange, like arcane kind of spark. Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't look like it completely dislodges the eye though, but it definitely looks like it has loosened it and it's kind of sitting loosely in the socket. Okay. Got it. Alrighty. Oh, you know what? You could roll sneak attack damage because Ravnus is right next to it. How about that? Uh, that might make a difference. 3d6 sure would make a difference. One, two, three. Mm -hmm. Um, that's an extra 11 damage. Damn. <laughs> Not too bad. Uh-uh. Alrighty. Uh yeah, in that case, um, it does it does completely dislodge the eye. As your bolt hits it, the gem pops out and it goes chink, ching, ching, ding. Um, but it falls into the chasm. Okay. <laughs> There's a second, and then you hear a ding, ding, ding as it hits the bottom of the chasm, which is only like 30 feet deep. Oh, okay. That's not as bad as I thought. No, it's not like an infinite pit. I know there's a lot of infinite pits in this, <laughs> in, in Voidfarer in general. This is not one of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Does uh, it shudder the same way it did the first time? Yes, it cool. does. Okay. All right, it's Brohane's turn. He is now probably as far as he can get. He kind of like wedged himself in like th- up, up the wall, like at the corner where the, the wall meets the ceiling uh, on the back of Ira. And he's just, oh, shit. Oh, fuck. Get me the fuck away from that thing. Uh, and he gets to make a saving throw. He still failed. <laughs> oh, no. uh, he rolled a four. <laughs> Poor Brohane. All right. Uh, it is the Edelon's turn. The Edelon is going to punch Ravnus. Uh-oh. Uh, that is only going to be a 13 to hit. Nope. Second attack. Uh, that's an unnatural 20 to hit. <laughs> She's probably going to go down, but yeah, it hits. You take 22 bludgeoning damage. Oh, yep, she is down. But so does it, and it crumbles. <laughs> that, you uh, keep saying you're that. welcome guys she's two for two <laughs> two for two <laughs> saying that as if it's a cold comfort to us like it uh-huh. is not <laughs> so it, 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 this thing punches you and uh it knocks you out cold ravenous and then it collapses into rubble basically on top of you oh, cool. uh, it doesn't completely cover you but like just suddenly just like as this thing just shatters it just crumbles on top of you and you see the spectral form of the ghost come out of the rubble <sighs> However, uh, everyone has already been affected by uh, either succeeded a save or has already been affected by its terror ability. And that means that uh, it uh, can't do that anymore. So it is then going to fly down into the chasm. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> um, I will... Uh... Are we out of rounds or are we still going? Nope, you're still in rounds. Oh, uh, Ravenous Christ. gets to make a death saving throw. Right now? Yeah, it's your turn. <laughs> oh, cool. That did not work. What do I add to it? Nothing. It's just a d20. Oh, no, that didn't work. That's a five. A five? That is one failure. Uh-oh. Gotta fill in that little circle. 
your your hit points health packs haven't been sharing. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I kept waiting for it. Marco, it's your turn. Yeah, I was literally about to pump Ravenous with uh, 18 HP. Aw. Okay. Thanks. So yeah, you guys you guys see this vision, the astral sea type vision that you always get when this ability happens and you see the connection being made from Marco to Ravnus and uh, Marco, you siphon 18 units of your vitality <laughs> to uh, Ravnus. Ravnus, your eyes flutter open and you take a breath. Um, Marco, after you're done doing that, you hear a voice in the back of your head saying, well, that was interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't know what's going on there, but uh, apparently our vitality's connected. Huh. Uh, Luckbeak, it's your turn. Um, is Ravnus uh, conscious now? Yes, yep. Ravnus is conscious. Okay. Um, I'm walking to the edge of the thing, the chasm, and looking down. Uh, can I see the thing in there? Yeah, you can. Uh, not only do you see it, uh, you see it appears that there was a damaged statue that had fallen into the chasm that it is now inhabited. This statue is missing both of its arms. Okay. And the statue seems to be trying to claw its way out. There is off to the left side part of the the chasm. The way it has collapsed had like made sort of like a like a sloping kind of step of rubble mm-hmm. that would make it easy for someone to climb out. However, this thing without arms is struggling. Um, now, as you look down there with your passive perception, you do see other things moving. Um, it appears there are several zombified dwarves shambling around down oh, here. Oh, okay. And you do also see there is a second statue down here, but it is not moving. Okay. The, down the other side. Um, the zombified dwarves don't seem to be... I mean, do they seem to be taking notice of us or... Um, yes, but they don't seem to have any way of getting up to you guys. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and you do note that they look like miners, though, the way they're dressed. They don't look Kratorian. They, they they look maybe a couple years old with the mining gear on them. Okay. Um, I'm going to pick up a piece of rubble from a statue or something and throw it down at the statue down in the pit and yell, uh, all right. Just cut it out, all right? Just stop. Can you do what what why are you doing this? <laughs> I know you're sentient. You keep saying you shouldn't be here and all this stuff. Well, why? What the heck? Uh there is no response. All right, I figured as much. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I don't I got nothing else. <laughs> You get the impression that while this thing is like a, a sentient being, it is so old and so possessed by its purpose that there's not going to be a whole lot of reasoning. Okay. Uh, Brohane is going to continue to cower, uh, but he gets a save. Hey, he did it. Finally. <laughs> he stops uh, cursing for a moment and just goes, oh, oh shit, that was scary. <laughs> but that's all. that's all he can do for now. Um, the Edelon statue is going to attempt to try and climb its way out without any arms. Uh, and it, it fails. It gets like a little bit up the like slope of rubble and then stumbles backwards a little bit. Come on, cut it out. <laughs> uh, Ravnus, you are awake but covered in rubble. Uh, she tries to uh, get herself up. And, you, you can do it. Uh, yeah. Um, she sort of like goes over to where Luckbeak is like looking down at the thing and is like, um, do we need to 
do anything else with it. Seems like it's sort of stuck. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you all can figure out a way out of here, I'll just keep an eye on it. Make sure it don't, I don't know, get up by its teeth or something. So I don't know if y'all want to take a look around. Marco says, um, the, it looks like the only way forward is through this door, pointing at the rubble he shot at. All right. So it might be safe to assume that also whatever attacked us, as in whatever was controlling that thing, could potentially be further through here. All right. Well... I mean, let's get, I mean, can we move that rubble? It's not rubble. It's a statue. Oh, okay. It's it's one of the non-possessed statues that is standing in front of the door blocking your way forward. Got you. Well, y'all want to, I don't know, move the statue? So that's what my original attempt was, but apparently the explosion didn't knock it all the way out. Well, we have a little more time now, thankfully. Yeah, I suppose so. The statue is continuing to, like, climb its way out that is not uh, not succeeding. So how many statues are there that are intact right now? There is one intact near the door you entered through. However, it does not look like it has any cinder shard on it. It looks like maybe the dwarves who came through here managed to like pry that cinder shard out. Um, There is the one on the other side in front of the door, but it does still have the crystal inlaid in it. There is a pile of rubble by where you were at before Ravenous that looks like some sort of magic or something exploded it, but it doesn't look like there's any enough of it there to be possessed. And then there's one more damaged one down in the chasm that has not uh, been possessed yet. Okay. So there's two total in the chasm, one of which is possessed right now, the other isn't. Right. But it doesn't look like the other one has legs, so it seems mm-hmm. that the Edelon had figured that the one that it's in is its best chance of getting out. <laughs> yeah. Um, she'll say, um, I mean, we could try to just keep destroying this. Maybe if we can get it in the one in front of the door, it'll move. I guess let's destroy this fucking thing. Alrighty. Um, when you say that, there's a sudden like flash of like white light. And it appears that the Edelon had given up on its statue in the chasm and flies into the one standing in front of the door. Oh, for fuck's sake. However, when it does so, it does step away from the door. But it's to attack you. So Ravnus was right. All, all these wins for Ravnus today. <laughs> um, where we were in initiative, uh, let's just start at the top. Ravna. Um, yeah, she's gonna run up and whoop this thing. Alrighty. Um, that is, um, oh, that might miss. That's a 13. That does miss. Okay. She's going to try again. Oh, God, that's only slightly better, uh, with a 15. That still misses. Okay, well, then she is going to use her action switch on this All right. <laughs> uh, for a natural one. Oh no! Um, and <laughs> oh neat. Um, does she get both of her attacks on? Yeah, yeah. Actually, okay, let's see. Come on, it can do it. Oh, and that is another natural one. Wow! wow. Holy shit! Go, go straight to jail. Do not collect two hundred dollars. So just... you run up, you run up on this thing and swing once and miss. <laughs> swing two and it glances harmlessly off of its God, like shoulder. Thank God, Locke isn't here. Like, yeah. I swear. 
And then I just imagine with like, just like a scream, you like center your resolve and swing two more times. And <laughs> you swing once and the sword lodges itself in the ground and you had to yank on it hard. And you yank out of that one. And <laughs> you know what? Two natural ones in a row. You yank the sword out of the ground and it skitters out of your hand, landing 10 feet away. Damn it. I, I put my D20 in my uh, Bloody Mary philodendron because that was egregiously bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Normally I don't do like crit fail. Yeah, like, but that was like it's an already bad. But two like... crit ones in a row, I feel like needs thematic. Uh... Yeah. No, I agree. I think yeah. that's good. Yeah. <laughs> she, her face is like red. She's uh-huh. so mad and embarrassed. Why does this keep happening? <laughs> this planet is just not good for me. Yeah, she hates it here. This is her new, like, least favorite place. <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing to do with the storm or the zombies yeah. or any of that. She's it's gotta that give you just Brohane, like a real earful about like having to go here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Luckbeak, it's your turn. Sure. I love that Ravnus is embarrassed when we are literally like getting killed. She's like, oh no, not again. <laughs> How mortifying. <laughs> Um, Good thing Locke's not here. Yeah. <laughs> How embarrassing. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I'm going to, uh, uh, the door is on our side, right? The door where uh, the, the, door the forward? statue stepped away from? No, it's on the other side. Okay. So I guess I'm going to, I don't have Misty Step and I can't jump. So I'm going to sneak along that edge to get to the other side. Sure. Um, yeah, you can do that. Um, what is your... Uh, um. So there is still a little bit of a gap you have to jump mm, going like that five way, feet. You said or not, something. Yeah, it's like five feet, but I think that's like within what your jump distance will be. Okay. What's your strength? What's your strength score? Zero. I mean ten. Ten. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You. You. You can do it. Okay. Um, okay. Cool. Cool. Uh. Is there so, any but it, sort? But of... it is going to take like you're going to have to like probably bonus action to dash. Um to get all the way there and around and you may even need to dash a, th- a second time I'm with your action not in any rush to get there there's a scary thing on the other side and also this is like right along the wall so i'm gonna take my time no dash actions if it takes me two right. turns it takes well me two. it just it, it just means you get to use your more movement um because you're not gonna get close enough to, unless you're shooting at it no i'm not fighting uh oh. i was just planning on concentrating getting across the chasm because I okay yeah yeah thematically I don't think he's ready to do a bunch of shit at the same time. So, okay yeah sounds good. Um yeah and then you can do it with that you basically just get to the other side of the chasm along oh, okay. the wall. Okay that was easy cool. Um so you're still you're still like forty feet away from the statue. That's fine totally okay. All right it's Brohane's turn. Brohane is no longer scared. Um Brohane is going to on the back of Ira. He is going to have Ira leap and like pounce this thing and sink her little mechanical fangs into it. Um, so that that just barely hits. It just takes some piercing damage because it is immune to poison, but it's something. All right. Uh, Alrighty. And then Brohane himself is then now on top of this thing going to hurl an alchemical fire onto it and it needs to make a save uh and it fails so it takes just a little bit of fire damage just a little bit as a treat 
as a treat. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's all it can do now. It is the Edelon's turn. Um, the Edelon's going to take a punch at him because, ow, I mean, kind of ow. And that's going to hit um, for 22 damage, which Brohane is not a fan of, but it deals 22 damage to itself. Nice. And then it's going to punch Ravnus. Cool. Uh, it got a natural one. Oh, yay. <laughs> so it still deals 22 damage to itself, but it misses you. Okay, good. I was like, I hope Ravnus doesn't go down again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now it is Ravnus's turn. Ravnus, your sword is on the ground 10 feet away from you. She goes and like runs to get the sword and then like runs back. Uh, you will take an attack of opportunity uh, as you step away from it to go get your sword. Okay. Uh, that is going to be a 19 to hit. <sighs> Fuck me. Yeah, that hits. <laughs> You take 22 bludgeoning damage. Oh, my God. Okay, well, she's going to... Um, she's going to protective field herself. Okay. If I can do that. Yeah. And let's see if she's still up. Don't fuck me, whichever dice I'm using right now. Okay, so that is six. So she doesn't take the full 22. So she instead takes 16. That sounds right. That sounds like math. Yeah. Okay, so she has two HP. She's up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so as you go to run away from this thing, it pummels you, and you just manage to, like, throw out your arms, and the psionic barrier manifests, and this thing punches it and still, like, gets through a bunch of it, but you manage to just soften the blow just enough, um, and you're able to go pick up your sword. And you can get back to it with your movement, so you do have your action. You can attack. Yeah, she is going to uh, attack. Um, that is a lot better. I like this die. That is um, 16 plus 7 is 25, I believe. That does hit. Cool. Um, 5 psionic plus 5 and 7 is, what, like 12? So 17 total. This thing crumbles. Good. And the spectral form of the spirit emerges from it. You do have another attack. Yes, I do. Um, a natural one. Fuck it. <laughs> I hate everything. <laughs> going, to, going in the plant with the other one. So it's like ravenous, <laughs> beaten, bruised, bloody nose. She didn't expect it. <laughs> yeah, swings and this this statue crumbles and like you like gasp in excitement like and then suddenly the ghost comes out into your face and you're like ah and like panic swing and just whiff. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Man, remember when Ravnus could fight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I missed that part of the podcast. <laughs> All right, uh, Marco, it's your turn. The ghost is uh, no longer in the machine. Um, is the ghost away from people? Uh, it is next to Ravnus. God damn it. <laughs> um, okay, I'm just going to cast Ice Knife then. Okay. Uh, go ahead and roll to a hit. That is a 15. That hits. That is three damage, and it needs to make a dexterity saving throw. Uh, that is a measly seven. Then it's going to take full damage here. And that's an additional eight damage. Alrighty. Uh, Luckbeak, it's your turn. Um, so I'm going to, um, I'm going to say, hey, y'all, 
Maybe there's no statues in the next room, and I'm going to dash for the door. Okay. Uh, and then I'm going to see what's in the next room. It's a big stone slab door that you would have to make an athletics check to attempt to try to open. Right, right. Uh, I'm going to make that athletics check. Okay. That would be a natural one. <laughs> you, you, the, your, your shoulder, <laughs> oh, which no. is still probably dislocated, <laughs> oh, no. pops back into its socket as you're trying to pull the door and you have that unexpected shoot of pain. Uh, <laughs> God. It's that same uh, shoulder and, uh, that had the The door does not again. budge. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Somebody help me with yeah. this. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Brohane um, is right there. Uh, he's going to shoot at the ghost with his crossbow, his plus one heavy crossbow, and hits. That's going to be eight magical piercing damage. This ghost kind of ripples and shudders, and it actually looks like its form is beginning to fade, but it's still hanging on. And Brohane is going to have Ira. Um, slam on the door with her giant mechanical spider legs. Uh, but it doesn't look like it does anything. And it doesn't budge. Damn. The Edelon is going to attempt to fly away. Uh, Ravnus and Brohane all get attacks of opportunity. Cool. That's not very good. Um, that is a 13. It hits. Oh, neat. It, it appears um, that the, in its ghostly form, this thing is a lot easier to hit. Oh, awesome. Um, do I get my um, my psionic stuff on, like, attacks of opportunity or no? Um, I think... What is what is the description of it? Um, you can propel your attacks with telekinetic force once on each of your turns. So it's not once per round, it's a turn. So yes, you can do it. Because that's oh, okay. like the sneak attack thing. Like a rogue can get a sneak attack as a uh, attack of opportunity. Neat. Okay. Yes. So that is three psionic plus 15 um, regular. How do you want to do this? <gasps> yes, get rapness. rid of this thing. Um, so looking like she's about to die. Um, <laughs> Ravnus, after uh, whiffing it a whole bunch, sees the thing and the thing starts to like try to um, fly away or whatever and she like grips her sword and it glows like a little bit brighter with purple energy as she like slices through it and it just sort of like puffs into like you know like gaseously fades and fades out mm-hmm. alright we are out of rounds nice thank god <laughs> so uh, was there anything you guys wanted to do before you advanced Um, I think I looked at everything I can in this room so I'm good Okay, so with the combined effort of Brohane, Ira, Ravnus, Marco, and sort of mm-hmm, like me, mm-hmm. you guys can pry open these stone slab doors that creak open, revealing a room that looks like structurally it is similar to the one that you originally came from. It, you get the impression that maybe the three wings of this facility off of the central hub are generally the same kind of shape. However, this room looks like it is not nearly as in ruins as the first chamber you came through. There's some rubble here and there, as there would be for having lasted 10,000 years, but you get the distinct 
sense that this chamber has been lived in. Hmm. Recently. Yeah. There are lit torches. Hmm. There's still cobwebs about, um, and it's not homey or comfortable to you guys at all, but there are lit torches. And as you walk in, you see it looks like uh, there's just a vague storage of supplies that look like they haven't been touched in a very, very, very long time. Crates and barrels, the wood has like mostly decayed away. It looks like it was once food stores, but nothing really remains of it. You see in the central chamber that's kind of separated by the columns in the same way as that first room you came in, there is a circular like dais with like a well almost with like a shimmering gray white mist kind of floating in it. Looks similar to the mist that made up the moats in the eyes of the skulls that have been watching you since you entered. And standing on the other side, her hands kind of resting on the edges is a figure. She actually, now that you see her, it appears that the statues are vaguely sculpted in her image. She has a, like a slender gown that flows all the way to the floor and like an ornate shoulder piece that seems to be inlaid with bone and skulls. In the underlit glow of this well that she's standing in front of, she actually looks kind of pretty. But as you step forward and she smiles, there's a shift of like her flesh like flakes away, revealing some necrotic elements to it. And she says, Welcome to my sanctum. It's been so long since I've had visitors. Ah, fuck. It's the evening of Halloween. Trick-or-treating is in full swing across the neighborhood. Pillowcases and buckets shaped to look like jack-o'-lanterns are filling with candy. In all the hustle and bustle, two children take a shortcut through the woods. However, no matter how long they walk, they never reach the expected break in the trees. The sun sets in the sky and the wind whistles through the red and yellow leaves. The children meet new friends, woodland creatures, scarecrows, and other strange denizens of the woods. Still, they must find their way home. The Fiend is coming. Fables Around the Table Lost premieres January 27th wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Cliff, and welcome to Taverns, Travel, and Tests. Join us every second and fourth Monday of each month as I join my friends Ben, Hazir, Chris, Magus Magron, and Dave, Serial, as we explore the wide world of Castia, seeking out the juiciest long-forgotten secrets, and share some hearty laughs in this D&D 5th edition real play podcast. It's like a rib burn-off, <laughs> but in a fantasy world. If there's something to be done for some coin, they've probably already handled it. I travel to entertain and to do other things. <laughs> <laughs> For more information about taverns, travel, and tests, and all of the other great shows on the Project Derailed Network, visit projectderailed.com and look for us wherever you check out your favorite podcasts. Projectderailed.com <laughs>